this week, as, as I had started, as many of you have started, reading the Word right from the beginning of this year, um, I've been in Genesis, and I came across Genesis 35 when I was reading, and immediately the Lord showed me this, this right here, something that, that you need to share. And, uh, and so I'm bringing it today. I want to talk about praise for his presence. Everybody say the phrase with me. Praise for his presence. Here's what I'm attempting to say today. That because of his presence which is with us, he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves for us to center the entirety of our lives around him. Does anybody agree? So we praise him for his presence in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 to 5. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, Then God said to Jacob, Get ready. And look at somebody right now and tell them, Get ready. And I know you're thinking, For what? Get ready and move to Bethel. And settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. We are now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings and he buried them. Somebody say buried them. He buried them under the ground under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out a terror from God spread over the people and all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. How many can say amen to God's word? I'm just going to go through this story uh, verse by verse and share some thoughts with each and every one of us today about this passage and how we become people of worship for the presence of God in our lives. Let's start with verse 1. So then God said to Jacob, get ready. Get ready for what? Because they were going to move to Bethel. They were going to move to Bethel. Can you say that phrase with me right now? Move to Bethel. Now Bethel in, in the Hebrew literally means house of God. Bethel means house of God. Say that phrase with me, everybody together, house of God. Now, what happened was that Jacob had an encounter with God. Now, notice this, because right here in verse 1, he says, build an altar there to the God who appeared to you. An altar where? At Bethel, because God appeared to him at Bethel. This is just a few chapters before this. It is found in Genesis chapter 28. And, and so in Genesis chapter 28, um, Jacob is escaping from Esau, his brother. By the way, quick note, I said last week that the word presence in the Old Testament is mostly the word that literally means in Hebrew. Anybody remember from last week? It means face. And in verse 1, it doesn't say it right here, but when it says that he fled from his brother Esau, it literally means he fled from the presence of Esau or the 
face of Esau. So he's running away from the presence of one person, which is Esau. And why was he running away from Esau? Because things had gone downhill. Jacob had essentially stolen the blessing of the father. Now, to understand the story, some of you know that Jacob uh, received the birthright of Esau because Esau sold his birthright as the firstborn son to Jacob when he was really, really hungry. Anybody remember that story? And so now Jacob has access to the birthright. But let me be clear. While the birthright would have uh, it allowed him to receive the benefits of being the firstborn son, there was one other thing that the firstborn son would get, and that would be the spiritual blessing of the father. And so what Jacob does is he tricks his dad in his old age when his dad couldn't see. And he goes and, and his mom cooks up some really good food. And he goes and he puts on some animal skins. And he goes to his dad and he acts like he's Esau. So that way his dad will bless him rather than blessing Esau. So he steals the blessing of the father from Esau. And naturally, this makes Esau mad. So Jacob is told like, dude, your brother is going to be out to get you. So you need to run from here. So Jacob runs away. And while he is running, he is in a place called Loose. And while he is there, God shows up, gives him a vision of a stairway to heaven. And there he meets God and he renames it from Loose to Bethel, which means, anybody remember? House of God. And so now God is telling him, move to Bethel. Move to Bethel. You have, Jacob, been away too long from the presence of God. You have encountered God, but you have been doing all these other things. And in the meantime, Jacob, he had gotten married and, and he had had kids and, and, and a bunch of things had happened. But God is telling him, listen, you got to get back to my presence. You need to return to my presence. You've been away. You've been doing other things. You've been focused in other areas, but it is time to move to Bethel. God did not tell him, go and visit Bethel. God did not tell him, spend a few days in Bethel. Bethel is not a vacation. Bethel is a way of life. It is where you live. And he is telling him, would you go back and live in the presence of God? Now, you need to tell somebody close to you, you need to move to Bethel. And some people are thinking, well, is there enough room for all of us? Are there any hotels there? Well, what's going on? No, no, you need to move yourself. And because literally what it means, when God says get ready and move, everybody say the word move. What it literally means is to dwell. God is telling them to go there and dwell. He's telling Jacob, it is time for you to dwell in my 
presence. This is not a one and done type of thing. This is not an encounter that you just get every once in a while. I am calling you to live in my presence, to walk in my presence, to believe in my presence, to serve in my presence, to worship in my presence. And how many believe that God is calling you to the same thing? And let me just tell you today that I don't come as one with any judgment, but if you can't tell, I'm a little excited, and if you can't tell, I'm already a little just kind of pumped up, and I've been this way for all three services, and it's not stopping, And, uh, and, and, and there's a reason for this. The reason for this is because I believe that this is so important for each and every one of us, because I have lived my life messing up and not being consistently in the Lord's presence. And let me tell you, disaster follows. And I have learned a deep, deep lesson of the Lord in my own life of how I need to walk daily and live daily in the presence of Jesus. And I am here to call you and here to challenge you to a lifestyle that is lived in worship to God, walking in his presence. And if you're not doing it, I am here to challenge you to do it. And I'm not saying it as one who is better. I'm saying it as a co-journey person in this walk with Christ who has had plenty of times where I have not done it, but I know the blessing of doing it. And I want to invite you into the blessing of the presence of God. And so God tells them to move back to Bethel. And once he settles there, to build an altar. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you. I want to go back. And and the verse is not on the screen, so you can just listen to this. To chapter 28. Because in chapter 28 of Genesis is where Jacob has this encounter. And at the very end, in verse 22, after he has the encounter with God, after he names that place Bethel, he says this, and this memorial pillar, he, he put a structure like stones that he erected as a pillar. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. Can everybody say with me, worship? This will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This became a place of worship and a place of gratitude and sacrifice where he would give to God. And my friends, this is the call of God on our lives as well, that we would set up an altar where we would worship the Lord as well, where we would become people who offer ourselves, as Paul says in the book of Romans, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord, that we would step up on our own altars, giving our lives fully to God. Who wants to give your life fully to Jesus. Now, my friends, I want you to hear this because he made a promise to God at Bethel that that would become a place for worshiping God. That the place where he encountered the presence would become a place where he worships God. The only problem is that it had been 
at least 14 years since he had been there. 14 years. He had gone with Laban, and uh, who was a family member, and he had married two of Laban's daughters, Leah and Rachel. He had had a bunch of kids. He was working the flocks, and, 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 and he had gotten busy in life. He was doing the things that you and I do in life. Is anybody in this room busy? Anybody? Anybody at all? If you're not, I want your life. But, but he was busy. And we all get busy, and he got involved in, I'm raising a family, and I'm getting successful in business, and I'm doing all these things that I got to do. But, but while he was busy doing the things of life, he had walked away and abandoned the presence of God and the commitment that he had made to God that that place would become a place of worship he had walked away from. And how amazing is the grace of God? Does anybody thank God for his grace? That God finds him here in Genesis 35 and tells him God doesn't punish him. God doesn't get angry with him. There is no punishment here. There's no anger here. But God tells him, listen, you got to get back to Bethel. You've been going about in all these other places. You've been doing all these other things. But it is time to return to my presence. It is time to get back. And it is time to not just visit Bethel. Because when you went to Bethel the first time, it was for a small amount of time. But now it is time to live in my presence. It is not just a one-time encounter. It's not just a moment that you're supposed to have. This is something that you are to live in day by day, every single day of your life. And so, he is called by God to do this. So in verse 2, Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your, what does he say? Pagan idols. He tells them to do three things. Get rid of the pagan idols to purify themselves, and to put on clean clothing. Now, pagan idols here literally means actually strange idols, foreign idols. These are idols that they had picked up along their way, along their journey in their life, and they had picked up these idols, and these idols became important to them. And they held on to these idols, but they are strange idols. Somebody say it with me, strange idols. These idols are things that do not honor God. They are things that got involved in their lives that became more important than living for God. And this is interesting because it doesn't tell us that Jacob had idols, but his household had them. His wives and his kids and, and everybody with him, they all had these idols. And, and so he goes, he understands this. When God calls him back to his presence, he goes, we can no longer live the same type of way that we have been living. And so he tells them that they need to get rid of these strange idols. And can I just tell you right now that many of us in this room right now have some strange idols. I told you I'm going to speak very straight up today. And, and, and there's some people in this room that have foreign idols, things that do not belong to your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. But they have become present in your life and they are constantly and consistently present. And can I just tell you, they have become more present than the presence of Jesus in your life. 
And God is telling you that it's time, just as Jacob told his family, it is time to remove these pagan idols. Now let me be clear on something, that those idols were obviously physical things. What are the idols of our lives today? What can they be? Well, they could be any number of things that we worship. Well, what is it that I worship besides God? I'll tell you. I'm going to give you the Jeff Toll definition of worship, and here it is. Worship is that thing which is more precious to you than Jesus. You worship that which is more precious to you than Jesus. It's not even about the item in itself. It's about the attitude of your heart towards it. What, 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 what worship is, is the inclination of our heart, what our heart is directed towards. What is your heart directed towards? Right now there are people that live their lives with their hearts directed towards all types of things. But the reality is God invites us to direct the attention of our hearts towards him, that he would be the most precious in our lives. Let, let me put it this way. Is social media an idol? No. And yes, it depends on what your heart is directed towards. Is money an idol? No. But yes, it could be if your heart has made it precious for your life. Anything in your life and any person in your life that becomes more precious than God himself has become the direction of your worship. And let me be clear, this could be your husband or your wife. It could even become your kids that are more precious to you than God is in your life. And I want to challenge you and call you out today that it is time to return to the presence of God and to live in his presence and direct your worship and the attitudes of your heart towards him and him alone because only he is worthy. Only he is worthy. And so he tells them, get rid of your strange idols. These things that have become idols in your life, it is time to put them to the side. Get rid of them. Purify yourselves. And then he tells them, put on what? Clean clothing. Well, it's interesting because clean clothing here, the word clean in the Hebrew literally, literally means to change for better or change for something better, to renew. So what he's telling them, he's not telling them to go put your clothes in the washer and just make sure that they're clean because we're going on a trip, you know. This isn't like, hey, just put on some cologne and some, you know, clean clothes because we're going to church or something. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. He's telling them, listen, well, we have been living, I, I want you to see this, we have been living with the clothing we've had, but our clothing that we have is too dirty now, too messed up, it's got holes in it, and we need new clothing because God is doing a new thing. So we're going to change everything about us because we understand that God is up to something right now. And so he's telling them, listen, you need to put on better clothing. 
than what you've been wearing up until now. Now for you and I, this relates to us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, where scripture tells us, Paul tells us to put on Jesus, to be clothed with Jesus. Tell somebody next to you, you need to clothe yourself with Jesus. Come on, church. Tell them you need to clothe yourself with Jesus. How many believe that we need to be clothed with Jesus? That we are not clothed with our sin anymore. We are not covered with our brokenness anymore. We are a people who are clothed with Jesus. Now, can I tell you right now that you need to be clothed with Jesus? And can I tell you that you should ask yourself if you are clothed with Jesus? But can I also tell you that you're not the best one to answer that question? Because you know who can tell you if you're clothed with Jesus? Your husband. Your wife, your kids, your co-workers, they can tell you if they see you or if they see Jesus. And church, it is time to put on some new clothes. It is time for us to be a people who live clothed with Almighty God. And then he says this, verse 3. We, I love the first word, we are now going to Bethel. The word we. Everybody say we. I know you're going like, okay, what, just a random one word, we. Yes. Because the first time that he was in Bethel, he was alone. My friends, I, I, I want you, I want you to see something here. Because Jacob had had an encounter with God. He had had multiple encounters with God over the years. One time where he wrestled with God. I mean, different things happened. But his family had not had an encounter with God. His family had not lived in the presence of God. He had. He knew what that was. So when God calls him back to Bethel, he knows what God is calling him to. He knows what he's been missing out on. And also, Jacob, at the very least, he lived faithful. Everybody say the word faithful. He lived faithful to God, right? The, the, the pagan idols were not his, but, but they were in his family. Why? Because he had been disconnected from the presence of God. So while he was still faithful to God, can I tell you right now that you could be in this room and you love Jesus and you are faithful to Jesus. I'm not dogging anybody here, but you still are missing out on his presence. You, you know the Lord. Maybe you've even walked with him for 20 years. You, you got a bunch of verses memorized in the Bible. Praise God. I am happy for you and memorize more. It is good to memorize scripture. But while you are faithful to God, you've been disconnected from his presence. And watch what happens. While Jacob remained faithful because he had not lived in the presence, he couldn't proper, properly lead his family to faithfulness to God. And so what was going to happen, watch this, is that the faith was going to end with Jacob. But God had already told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that theirs would be a nation, his chosen people. And the only way that was going to happen was if his wife and his kids actually started living according to the ways of God. 
But the problem was that he had not been living in the present. So he remained faithful, but it couldn't transfer to the next generation. Am I speaking to anybody right now? This is so important. This is so important. Your faithfulness is not enough. I hope you heard that. It is enough for God, for you and God, but it's not enough for the next generation. It's not enough. Your moral life is good, but it's not enough for the next generation. What my kids need is a mother and father who live in the presence of Jesus. And so what Jacob realizes at this point is that he had encountered God's presence and God is calling him back. But notice what he says. He does not say, I am going to Bethel. He says, we are going to Bethel. I am now going to include my family in the presence of God. We will be a family that follows the ways of Jesus. We will be a family that knows who God is. And so we are now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. How many can say here that God has answered your prayers when you've been in distress? Amen? And then he says, he has been with me wherever I have gone. How many can say that God has been present with you? Oh man, and this is not just Jacob. Later on, David says it in Psalm 23, right? When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for I know that you are with me, right? And then Jesus comes, and Jesus' name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then when Jesus is about to leave, he says, I'm going, but I'm sending you what? My Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be present with you. God has been present in your life every day that you have known him. Is anybody grateful for his presence? Give that applause strong. But church, I have to tell you today that while God has been present with you, the question of my message today is not whether he has been present with you. It's whether you are present with him. That is the question for today. Because he can be in my house but I can still ignore him all day long. God is with you. He's not leaving. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He is faithful to you beginning to end, and one day we're going home to see him in the heavenly places. But I want to live a life where every day on this planet I will be present with the God who is present with me that I will walk with the God who walks with me, that I will enjoy the one who is with me, that while he is in my kitchen, I am not up in my bedroom doing something else, but I will be present with him where he is at. Am I preaching to anybody today? That is the invitation that God is making to you today. And it says this in verse 4, so they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings. But, but I, I want you to know what it actually says in the Hebrew. Well, what it says is they gave Jacob all their idols in their hands 
and their earrings on their ears. I want to focus on the idols in their hand. You see, they were literally carrying the idols in their hands. These were their, their good luck charms. These were their things that, would, that they held on to. This was their, as Lord of the Rings goes, their precious. This is what was precious to them. This is mine. These idols are mine. This thing, it gives me security. Can I just tell you? You know how you know what's become an idol? Another way to know it is you have withdrawals when you get rid of it. Oh, man, when I gave up that social media for, you know, fasting in the church, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. It's been hard. Oh, that's become an idol then. It's become what? Precious to you. And might I tell you, more precious than Jesus. And right here, right now, let me tell you that I am not one who has it all perfect either. We all have our idols, and we all need to get rid of those idols. And what they had to do is they had the idols in their hands, and they had to literally make a choice that this which I am holding on to, this which has been precious to me all these years, I am choosing now to give it up. I'm choosing now to release it. Now, let me just be clear, because I said people can be your idols. I'm not telling any wives to release your husbands, okay? Or to, like, kick your kids out of the house. I'm not saying that, okay? But, but we release the heart commitment to these things. Now, there might be some things that are physical in your life that you actually do have to get rid of. That is between you and the Lord in order to walk forward in what the Lord has for you. There might be some of those things. But at the very least, it's an understanding of I am releasing this which has been precious to my heart and more precious than Jesus because I want none other than Jesus to be the most precious to me. And so they gave Jacob all of it, and he buried them. Notice it doesn't say they buried them. It says that he, Jacob, buried them. He buried them in a place they did not know, so that way they would not, what, return and dig them out of the ground again. He made sure that they stayed in an unknown location, so that way they would no longer, ever again, be an issue. You know, this is what some people do addictions where something good has turned into something addictive and evil and wrong is that you make a choice to completely get rid of that because you just say you know what it's better for me to just simply not even deal with it than to attempt to manage this thing I can't manage it. I, you you can't you cannot manage idol worship it's not manageable you have to just get rid of it I'm done with it. I am done with this. And so he buries them. And in the same way, we can offer our idols and our sins, our addictions, our things to God. And he buries them under the blood. Oh, it's buried under the blood of Jesus. His blood covers all of our sin. Is anybody grateful for that? And then it says this, verse 5, as they set out, as I said, out terror. Everybody say that word, terror. 
a terror from God is spread over the people in all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. And I gotta, you gotta, you gotta get this because in the chapter right before, chapter 34, here's what happens. One of the family members, the sisters, Dina, was raped by a guy, you can read it, chapter right before, by a guy in the town where they were. No joke, read it, it's there. And so what happens is that the dad of the guy comes and meets with Jacob and goes, can we come to an agreement where we will intermarry our sons and daughters? And here was the thing, God had told them that no, no, don't mix with other people. And so so they, they, they come to this agreement, but in the agreement, the requirement for all the men of that town was that they had to get circumcised to basically become Jewish in order to marry the daughters. And so they do that. They do a circumcision. And what, what happens is that all the brothers, all the guys are so upset because of the rape that happened that while the other guys of the town have been circumcised, the guys, Jacob's kids, go out and kill all the men. Take them all out. Kill them all. Because they're like, how dare you do this to our, to our sister, right? Take them out. And at the end of chapter 34, Jacob is distraught. Now track with me. Jacob is, is frustrated. He's upset. And he says these words to his kids, to Simeon and Levi. He says to them, you have ruined me. You have ruined me. You've made me stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and Perizzites. We are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. Verse 30 of chapter 34. I want you to see this with me. So at the end of chapter 34, Jacob is afraid. Who's afraid? Jacob, right? Because his sons have gone out and killed all these guys. And he's like, now all these other nations are going to come at us and kill us. Jacob is afraid at the end of chapter 34. But in verse 5 of chapter 35, right afterwards, it says that all the neighboring towns were afraid of Jacob and his family. So at the end of 34, Jacob is afraid of the towns. And in verse 5 of 35, the towns are afraid of who? Jacob. And my question to you is, what changed? What changed from Jacob being afraid of the other towns to now the other towns being afraid of Jacob? Is anybody with me right now? What changed between both of those moments? I will tell you what changed. They got rid of their idols. They decided that they would worship the Lord and the Lord alone. Can I tell you that there are some people in this room that are walking in fear right now in your life? And the reason 
reason for your fear is the idols in your life. But when you get rid of the idols, when you choose to worship the Lord, when you choose to center your life on Him, then all of a sudden, you are no longer afraid. But you know who's afraid? The demons will be afraid. They will be running. They will be fleeing because they know who you are and the God that's got a hold of you because you have decided to walk with Him and worship Him. Can anybody give a praise to God right now? Come on, church. That is the difference between your fear and the enemy's fear is whether you have committed to worship. And so they go and they make their way to Bethel. I'm going to invite everybody to stand up with me right now. But I'm not done yet. You get the end of the preaching while you're standing. And then we'll pray. So Jacob goes with his family to Bethel. They make their way there. And um, how many want God to bless you? A few random people. Maybe I'll ask again. How many want God to bless you? All right. So they make their way to Bethel. And it says this in verse 9. Same chapter. It says, now that Jacob had returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again. Everybody say again. Again. Where? At Bethel, because that's where he is now. He's returned. He's set up his tents. He is now going to dwell there. He's going to remain there. He's going to live there. And let me just tell you that Bethel for you may or may not be a physical location. For some people it is. You got your prayer closet or you got your room or you got the place that you go where you spend time with the Lord. And, and, and for some it's a place. For some it's a, a time for some, it's a place and a time. Some of you may not have a place or a time, but you're consistent in being with the Lord. But Bethel is about your commitment to being in the presence of God, to living in that day by day. So God appears to him again at Bethel. So when he shows up to Bethel, God shows up again. And it says, God blessed him, saying, watch what God says. Because is this the first time that Jacob has encountered God? The answer, no. If you've been paying attention, absolutely not. Because Jacob had already encountered God at Bethel when he named it the first time. And then after that, Jacob had wrestled with God. He had another encounter with God. And now he's at Bethel again. It's not the first time. And so God blesses him saying this, your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him. What did he rename him? Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say, be fruitful and multiply. And now you, you gotta you gotta get this because we're gonna end strong here. God, when he says be fruitful and multiply, 
He is giving Jacob the same blessing that God gave to Adam and Eve before sin ever existed in the world. Be fruitful and multiply. This is the, like the highest blessing of God. Is everybody with me right now? Jacob gets his name changed. His identity is changed. He is completely transformed. He gets a high blessing from God, but he does not get it in his first encounter with God. He does not get it in his second encounter with God. He gets it after multiple encounters with God. Can I tell you right now that the blessing of God in your life will not come because you had one encounter with him. It will come because you choose to go back to his presence over and 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 over again and you never stop until you start receiving that which God wants to do in your life. Don't expect a little Disneyland trip with God to get you what God has for you. What God has for you is going to come when you come back over and over again to His presence. When you get into His Word every single day. When you start your day and you give it to the Lord and you begin with prayer. Then, my friends, the greatest blessings of God are going to come. Then, my friends, the greatest transformation in your life is going to occur. Does anybody believe that today? Come on, church. And so today, it's time to, time to give up some idols. It's time to give up some idols to the Lord. And this is a call for you if it applies to you. If not, then don't worry about it. But if you've got some idols in your life that have been in your hands, those that have been more precious to you than Jesus, today is your day to give them up to the Lord. And say, Lord, like Jacob buried them under the tree. I need mine to be buried under the tree of Calvary. Where Jesus bled and died. And so, Lord, I want my sins buried at the cross. Under that tree. Covered by the blood. That's where I want my idols buried. Under that tree. And so if today you need to give up some of those idols, all of those idols, not some of them. Like, let me keep three on the side. If you need to give up idols today, would you just raise up your hands if that's you? You know what they are? Nobody's going to call you out. This is you and Jesus today. And you don't need a Jacob to bury them under a tree because Jesus already did that. So I don't have to bury them. Nobody else has to. Jesus will do that for you. And Lord Jesus, today, for every person with their hands raised, recognizing the idols in their lives that need to be removed today. Lord Jesus, 
as they are choosing today to give them to you. And would you just tell them, tell them, tell them what they are and tell them, I give this to you, Lord. I give that to you, Lord. I give it to you. Tell them right now, God, I'm giving it to you. Verbalize it, declare it with your mouth in this moment. There is a power in the words that you choose to use. And Jesus, as these wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ have chosen right now to open their mouths and speak and give these idols to you, lifting their hands to you, releasing them into your power and your blood and what you did on the cross. So Jesus, I declare the freedom of God upon their lives in this moment. They are free by the blood of Jesus, free in the name of Jesus. No longer do those idols have a hold on them, but they are made free in this moment free to walk with you, free to live with you, and free to hold you as the most precious of their lives. So Jesus, right now, I bless them with this newfound freedom, and may they walk in worship. May they walk in worship. May they walk in worship and be a people who are living with you in every single moment. And if you are a person today that you recognize you need to return to the presence to come back to the presence of God like Jacob needed to go back to Bethel. If that's you, raise up a hand. And I want to bless you today, Lord Jesus, with those who recognize their need to come back to the presence. Today, Lord Jesus, would you give them a new hunger for you? Oh, God, make them hungry for you, for your goodness, for your presence for your joy because in your presence there is fullness of joy would you give them a supernatural desire to be with you and lord god where the flesh wants to do its own thing that the spirit of the lord would take control in their lives and they would walk in your presence they would live in your presence they would worship in your presence and they would be a people who are every day in your presence lord jesus we pray this in the name of jesus amen and amen let's give an applause to the lord and let's declare it this right